Welcome to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason. We spend time with top-performing professionals in their respective fields, chatting about anything from morning routines, creative processes, and biohacks to healthy habits and travel destinations. We're super excited to have founder and executive director of Move for Hunger, Adam Lowy, on the show today. As you may be aware, many people throw out a good deal of stuff when they move. Unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is food that can be delivered to a family in need rather than thrown away. That's where Move for Hunger comes in. By teaming up with relocation companies across the country, Move for Hunger is creating one of the nation's largest year-round service programs. Movers offer to pick up unwanted, non-perishable food items for those who are moving and deliver it to their local food banks. Adam founded Move for Hunger in the summer of 2009. Adam's family has owned a moving company in New Jersey for over 90 years. After years of seeing so much food wasted when people move, Adam decided to take action. Adam represents the New York City hub of the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers community. In 2011, he was honored at the VH1 Do Something Awards for his commitment to creating social change. Adam was also honored in Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2014. Our mission for you, our esteemed listeners and the greatest people in the history of ever, is to demonstrate effective techniques of high performers to help you achieve results in your own life. Learning from productive and accomplished individuals gives the opportunity to break down the nuances of success and hopefully provide you with a new way to think about the world. Listen, take notes, and take action. Live better and have the best day ever. Today's show is brought to you by Acure Skincare For your skin, for the planet. Personally, with the goal of living forever, I love the anti-aging Argan Stem Cell plus Corella Growth Factor Night Cream and the Organic Balancing Rose plus Red Tea Facial Toner. I really like the Volume Shampoo and Conditioner along with the Cell Stimulating Body Wash. Great combo. Look good, feel good, live better. Today's show is also brought to you courtesy of Go Raw. We all snack, so let's do it with all organic, non-GMO, vegan, nut-free, gluten-free, sprouted, and raw snacks. Junk-free food by Go Raw is a perfect midday, pre, or post-workout snack. Have a sweet tooth? Go with their sprouted cookies, raw chocolate, or sweet spirulina bites. Savory lovers? Check out their flax snacks or salad bowls. Every choice is a good choice with Go Raw. Healthy snacking, living better. Um, so I'm technically fourth generation, uh, which means when you grow up and dad owns a moving company, you have the joys of working on a moving truck. Um, <laughs> well, it was, uh, it was certainly a life lesson of something I, I knew I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. I, I definitely grew up with an appreciation for the industry. Um, and Move for Hunger really just started as a nice thing to do. You know, my family had this moving company. They were moving people every single day. And uh, we see people throwing away belongings, whether it be furniture or clothing. Or uh, What really started to bother us was the perfectly good unopened food that people were just leaving in their pantries. Um, so we started to ask people, do you want to donate your food when you move? And in a month from doing nothing more than asking a simple question, we actually collected 300 pounds of food. That's awesome. And uh, when we brought that to the food bank and learned just how big a problem hunger was in our community, let alone the nation, um, that's kind of how Move for Hunger was born, this, this idea that there's thousands of moving companies out there every day going into people's homes, and, and people are, are hungry and struggling every day. And Why can't we ha- use this existing resource, set it to purpose, and help feed people? And that's really what we've done. That's awesome. Um, do you have, like, one coolest or most impactful experience you've had doing Move for Hunger? 
Um, you know, I think it's the, the entire journey has been kind of uh, uh, a cool experience for me. You know, you start it, I, I knew nothing about hunger or nonprofits and kind of in that fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, you know, you, I went to our very first conference. I got the guest list ahead of time. I, I created customized materials for every single moving company in attendance, signed the manager's names, put them in folders with, with stickers with their names on them. So when someone came up to me, they thought they were dealing with a professional nonprofit organization that had a giant team and had been around for years. Uh, little did they know it was just me uh, sitting on the floor in my dad's uh, conference room with, with some stickers and <laughs> making this thing work. And, you know, that's how we ended up pitching our, our first partner. Um, now we're working with over 600 moving companies, thousands of realtors, corporate housing professionals. Uh, we're the official charity of most of the major players within the relocation industry. Um, and we fed almost 5 million people so far. Wow. So. Um, you know, I, I, I won't lie and say I know everything that I'm doing. I certainly have a direction and a vision for where I want the organization to go. But, um, you know, every, every time you get to that point where you get to see something that was just in your head become real and you see the passion of other people that get excited about what you're doing, um, that to me has been the most exciting part of this entire experience. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that growth process? I know... Brad and I are kind of going through that now too, kind of picking which projects to focus on. Uh, how how did you scale from just you to um, you know developing this awesome business? I mean, feeding five million people is pretty pretty spectacular. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it, it uh, when I started, I, I started cold calling moving companies because I figured you know, hey, this was a great idea. Everyone should do this. And I learned very quickly that, you know, when you pick up the phone and start cold calling people about charity, uh, people are going to hang up on you. No one really wants to talk to you. Um, so I, I knew that wasn't going to be my model. Um, and I also, again, not knowing very much about nonprofits, but understanding marketing and business, I went and said, you know, we really need to form some key relationships um, because we can be as big as our networks really are. So. We went to. We started with like the local moving associations, the New Jersey Movers and Warehousemen's Association. Then we started working with some of the van lines, and then bringing in some of the key people to our board of directors. And kind of through creating all these relationships, we actually had these other companies and associations that were recruiting movers for us. So we actually do very, very little cold calling. Um, a lot of what we do is traveling around to the different industry conferences, meeting people face to face, showing them the value of what we're doing. Through data, we measure everything. Um, I think my team hates me because of how much I love Salesforce, but <laughs> data doesn't lie. No, nope. we've got some companies that can now say they've helped to feed a million people so far because of their partnership with Move for Hunger. Um, we're actually showing them that doing good is good for business, and you know we hope that this not only helps feed their communities but helps drive business so we can feed more people ultimately. That's great. Um, I, I know one of the catalysts for your business must have been your uh, recent Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, first of all, congrats for being on that. And I think feeding 5 million people definitely is worth getting on that list. How has that platform um, helped you personally as well as your business? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was certainly an incredible, incredible honor to be included on that. You know, that's, that's one of the things that you don't, necessarily expect you know you don't you don't start an organization you yeah. don't try to help people for the accolades um 
but when you get them, you got to use them. So, <laughs> yes, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I now get to include in, in my bio or my LinkedIn profile. But, you know, when we're talking to um, different potential partners or, or, you know, different stakeholders, it's, a, it's just another way to legitimize what we're doing. Yeah. You know, to me, it's, it's less about myself and more about um, how do I use that to better my team? How do I use that to bring on more resources so we can do what we're doing better? Um, and it's, it's definitely, you know, a great feather to be able to have in, in the cap of, of the organization that has moved for hunger. You know, we got some early positive press early on in 2011. We were on the VH1 Do Something Awards mm-hmm. and the NBC American Giving Awards. And they created beautiful video packages for us that we would have never been able to afford. Um, and again, those were just additional pieces that we had in our arsenal very early on yeah. to be able to say, hey, we're real, we're legitimate, look, we were on TV. Um, <laughs> because, you know, when, once you start seeing all these things when, when a brand like Forbes or NBC or VH1, they're almost vouching for you and saying, you know what, That's, they're, they're doing good things. We said so. You should believe them. Um, I, could, I could tell you to believe me until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a lot more helpful to have some of these big, powerful brands um, pushing and promoting this as well. So um, to me, Forbes, incredible, incredible honor, a great network to be able to kind of connect with. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just really onwards and upwards. How do we use those connections and networks to really scale what we're doing further? That's great. Congratulations on that. That's super cool. Um, I think one thing that, that Jason and I have noticed with successful people and, and people that have to manage not only their personal lives but a business um, and you are working with so many other businesses, they, they develop routines or habits, whether it be what they do in their first 30 minutes of the day or what they do prior to a creative thinking session on how to expand their business. Do you have some either morning routines or daily habits or things that you do prior to getting into kind of that creative mindset that could be applicable to our listeners? I feel like I do the opposite of what everyone tells you to do and what I've read other creators do. <laughs> so I'm actually trying to get better at that. They say, you know, no technology. 30 minutes after you wake up, <laughs> all the first thing I do is I roll over and I scroll through all those emails. Yeah. <laughs> try to get through as many as I can before I get to the office. So when I get to the office, I can actually dive into work and not have to deal with those 15 emails I get overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, you know, everybody kind of has their own routine, I will say. I'm probably a little bit ADD. The fact that, you know, I knew nothing about hunger or nonprofits when I started this, I think is a positive. Um, certainly, I'm very passionate about the cause now. The fact that we get to work to find better ways to help people, reduce food waste, feed people, and change the way people think about hunger is great. Um, but to me, it's about you know how do we take the idea of a nonprofit, um, which by definition is not a sustainable business model, and how do we apply some practical thinking to it? So I'm, we're always looking at other NGOs that we think do things really well. We're looking at great businesses that we think do things really well. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's about communication with the team um, and brainstorming and knowing that there are no bad ideas. Um, well, no, that's not true. There are some terrible, terrible ideas, but letting people, you know, creating a space where people are allowed to, to share those ideas and we're able to kind of go through them and, and um, really think through what will work, what could work, What's the most ridiculous idea we have this month? And a lot of them we don't use, but they lead to other ideas. So brainstorming has been 
kind of key, and not just by myself, but um, you know, with my entire team, with my board, with other NGOs, you know, other people that I respect mm-hmm. that are doing really great things, especially in other spaces. I feel like I, I get the most out of conversations when I'm not even talking about Move for Hunger. Um, I've got a buddy that builds wells um, in Africa and is trying to bring you know water to to people in Africa, and we brainstorm constantly. And it's it's just kind of a great way to see, hey, you're doing your processes are very different from mine. Yeah. But there are some things that we have in common in terms of how to really how to really grow and scale and lead our teams respectively. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, I think kind of speaking of some of those crazy idea sessions, um, not only with you and your team, but partnering with a bunch of these other other NGOs. Um, what is one of the biggest risks you guys have taken as an organization? Um, and it might have led to a positive or negative outcome, um, but what was kind of one that, that you learned from the most? Um, I'll give you two. Okay. Um, so one was a huge failure, um, and we spent a lot of time on this huge failure. Fortunately, we didn't spend a lot of money on it, but we did spend at least six months. Wow. Uh, we had this crazy idea that we wanted to throw the world's largest game of musical chairs all in the name of hunger. And we wanted to do it at Soldier Field in Chicago. Chicago is the middle of the country. Um, We had a partner that we had, we had a few partners that were pretty much on board. They were excited. We flew out to Soldier Field. We did a site visit. They were incredibly accommodating. We were going to set a Guinness world record. We were reading, reaching out to, you know, celebrity personalities to figure out a host and a band um, we were trying to get to the format right before they got big, um, or I guess it's fun now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm a I'm a sun devil, so I, I I knew them when they were the format back in uh, Arizona. There you go. Um, and you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about this, and we we had spreadsheets, and everything went right, or everything should have went right, except for the one partner that was supposed to really go out and help us sell these sponsorships. Um, to pay for this actual thing mm-hmm. who for six months were all on board and then one day their business turned they, okay. all of a sudden they were out and, and this big event that we spent months and months working on and prepping for all of a sudden there was no way we could put this thing on wow. um, so that was one I'd say bet that we hedged all being contingent on one thing happening um, which is something that you shouldn't do unless you have a contract or it's a definite. Uh, and we, we definitely learned. You know, we, we learned um, a little bit more about how to run business, um, some some legal protections that could help us in those scenarios. And again, fortunately, we didn't really spend any money on it. It was just a lot of time thinking about it. Um, but uh, I think I think we came out stronger. One day we'll do something Guinness World Record breaking. It won't be that, but we'll... Uh, We'll figure that out. Well, let us um, know if you want us to help you with that. Oh, totally. We're gonna, <laughs> I, know, I know if we're going to break a record, we're going to need people. All right. We'll help you for sure. But the other one was very early on. Actually, one of our first partners, uh, our very first partner was Wheaton Worldwide Moving. Um, that was the conference that I went to when I gave you that fake it, fake it till you make it story early yep. And um, we went to their conference and... Uh, Everybody loved it. We were really excited, and um, I got to sit with their president. And um, you know, we're—I'm only four months into the organization, 
and I ask him for $100,000 because in my mind, that's a number that makes sense um, based on some math that, that I did, which really made no sense at all. I <laughs> financials, I didn't look at what they've given in the past, I didn't look at how much money they bring in, um, and immediately following that, the president said, all right, we're not going to work with you, nobody work with him, you know, these people are crazy. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, holy, you know, I, I, mean, <laughs> I just broke it. I just broke this company. Um, I, I, you know, I followed back up, you know, a, a week later with an email. And he said, you know, I want to I want to fly out to New Jersey and I want to meet you. He's from Indiana. Mm-hmm. The man flies out. He spends two days here really learning about what our vision is yep. and says, listen, I want to give you $10,000. I want to join your board of directors. I want to give you access to our marketing team. So if you need help creating things, if you need help printing things, you know, that is on us. Wow. And I want to make this so it's not just my company, but I want to introduce you to all the right people in the industry so we can grow this thing. Because this shouldn't just be something that happens with my company. Wow. Um, that was a scenario that could have went very wrong because I didn't do my homework. At the same time, I learned that if you can show passion, if you can really explain what your vision is and get people to believe in it, it will help you. And it's not all about the money. Yeah, we got a tenth of what we were asking for from them, mm-hmm. um, which was still a huge help, you know, that early on in the organization's growth. I mean, we had never gotten any money, let alone $10,000. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to help. And because of the connections he made very early on, and the legitimacy he gave us by joining our board of directors, um, that was one of the most important pieces to our organization growing today. That's pretty awesome. Um, so if you had to give people one risk you would recommend taking, what would it be? Uh, one risk? Um, so with some hindsight on what worked for you and what didn't, um, kind of going through how you guys have grown, what, what risk would you recommend taking? Specific to move for hunger or more in general for people that are running their own business? Um, it could be either. But maybe maybe for people that are running their own business. Maybe, maybe a step that you took or maybe a leap of faith. Yeah, I'd say um, well, one of the most important things is don't... Be so set on getting everything 100% right. Don't wait for that. Um, It's never going to be 100% right, ever. Ever, ever, ever. (laughs) And if you keep waiting for that, you're going to miss opportunities. Um, You're going to have stumbles, and that's okay. Hopefully you'll learn from them, and they won't be so detrimental. But if you're failing forward, that's that's always a good thing. But again, if you don't wait for everything to be right, and you try it, and then you iterate, and then you move forward, and then you iterate again... That's really been how we've been able to grow. We have had lots of crazy ideas. You know, we, we came from no professional fundraising background, um, and we come up with interesting fundraisers, and we show value to our partners. And um, that's because we're trying things that a lot of other nonprofits probably aren't doing. And, you know, I think, I think it proves that, you know, if you take a more business-like approach to running an organization, um, and showing your impact through data, not just stories, although stories are helpful. Um, you know, there, there is a way to prove success. There is a model of 
you can't say profitability because we don't make a profit per se, but a, a model of revenue that can help sustain the organization yep. and fund our programs. Um, but that only happens if you try it um, and not be so worried about every little detail being 100% correct. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think right when I came out of school and started working, that was always the first of my concerns, making sure I had everything locked down rather than just kind of putting myself out there with my passions and really getting into to different projects outside. I feel like I had to have everything organized. Um, so I, I, would, I would like to hear your answer to this question. How is your kind of philosophy on life or business, however you want to answer this, changed kind of has, as you have aged and moved through you know, school to uh, working for your family's company into Move for Hunger? Um, I'm like for me, so never going to be never being 100% correct. That is something that has changed for me. I before, as I said, I, I always wanted to be super organized about everything. I needed to know something was going to work out. And now I would rather be passionate about something and really um, invest some time, even if I know it's not going to. Um, so maybe comment on kind of how that's changed for you. Yeah, I mean, certainly that one for sure. Um, I was a little OCD. Um, I always liked everything to be absolutely perfect, so I've definitely learned from that. Um, the my, my creativeness, I think, has always been there. Like, I always liked marketing, advertising. I always wanted to, you know, before this, I was doing special events uh, for Mercedes-Benz. I did the Masters and Fashion Week, and, you know, great job out of college. I interned for MTV um, when I was in college. I was very involved while I was in college, so... Um, you know, I've, I've always liked being involved with, with a number of things and events. So that while that part hasn't changed, and I've tried to incorporate a lot of my a lot of the things I love, whether it be events or music or marketing, into kind of what I'm doing with Move for Hunger. I think what has changed is how I've been able to uh, become organized and how I've been able to trust other people. Yep. Um, you know, when when I started Move for Hunger, it was me. And then it was me and one other, and then it was me and two others, um, and now it's me and eight people. Um, and I realize that not only can I not do every job, um, but I'm not smart enough to do every job. You know, I'm hiring people that are smarter than me purposefully. Like, if I yeah. can do a job, I don't want you here. I don't need <laughs> you at that point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, for people to, to join the team that... I can trust that I can rely on that we can disagree and that's okay. Um, and in the beginning, you know, maybe it wasn't okay. You know, it was like, Hey, we need to do it this way. And I'm going to be breathing over your head, over your shoulder because this is the way I've done things. And this is the way I would like you to do it. And there's, there's a difference between training, um, and giving people the opportunity to learn and grow. Um, so I, I think I've grown a little bit, um, to be able to manage people a little bit more effectively. Um, I still have a lot, a long way to go and a lot of work left to do there. Um, you know, I, I learn every day, uh, and, um, and, and, you know, just, just the way I've been able to organize myself. I used to not even have a smartphone and I hated the people that lived by their calendar. <laughs> how's that? How's that going now? <laughs> My, my fiance says, hey, do you want to do dinner on Thursday with so-and-so? And I said, yes, send me a calendar invite. I would love to <laughs> Make sure it's there because if it's not there, it's not happening. There you go. <laughs> you know, I, I used to laugh at those people, but yeah. I've become one, and I'm, uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Did, uh, 
when are you getting uh, Move for Hunger to be a uh, master sponsor? To be a, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably not going to happen. But maybe if we can get the folks in Augusta to turn the masters into a food drive, that'd be nice. Oh, let's do it! I want to go to Augusta so bad. Beautiful down there, it really is. Um, so speaking a little bit of, of kind of the earlier on in your career, let's take it even a, even a further back. So give us just a little bit of a brief overview about, about your childhood. I know that um, your, your dad had the company, um, and it's very interesting to work for somebody who has started a business. So just um, can you give us you know, a little bit of an overview of how you grew up? Um, did you have any, any, any funny stories of, of experiences at, as a child? Um, and kind of how has that shaped you to who you are today? Yeah, so I, I grew up in uh, Ocean Township, New Jersey. It's a little uh, beach town uh, on the Jersey Shore. Not the nonsense you see on MTV, but <laughs> that's further south. It exists, but uh, nice, nice beach community. And, um, yeah, my, uh, my dad had the moving company, you know, dating back to the, my great-grandfather. And, um, you know, I kind of grew up watching my dad and his twin brother start businesses, um, you know, the, the moving company's always been the core, but they, they'd start everything. You know, they started self, a self-storage company before self-storage was a thing. Um, it ultimately failed, or they sold it, um, and then self-storage became a thing later on, so they were a little bit ahead of their time there. Um, I watched them start a computer networking company right at kind of the launch of the Internet. Um, they knew nothing about computers, but they knew a really smart guy that did. They partnered with him, and they wired all the Sony theaters across the country. Wow. Um, they sold that, um, and you know that was that was a cool thing to watch. Um, they built the largest basketball facility in New Jersey. They happened to know someone that worked at the NBA, so they got the rights to use all the logos on the floors, four courts, even the Celtics with the parquet floor. Um, really cool to watch that. But you know, growing up, I was never old enough. To do it, you know, to own any of those things, I just kind of got to watch it tangentially. So, yeah, yeah I, I worked the snack bar at the basketball place. <laughs> I worked a ton of beach snack bars. I, I shucked clams. I did short order cooking. I've I've done antique shows, uh, garden show. You name it. I've done, <laughs> I've Entrepreneurship runs in your blood. Five an hour since I was fourteen years old. <laughs> uh, on top of doing things on the moving truck in uh, summers between school, so. Um, you know, I, I grew up valuing what it meant to actually work for yeah. for a buck, um, and watching my my dad and my uncle be incredibly entrepreneurial and yeah. not be afraid to take risks and start very creative, successful, and sometimes not so successful businesses. And uh, you know, once once we got to the point where you know we were brainstorming about this move for hunger thing, I was I was still at my other job with Mercedes and. Um, like, well, I, I actually am old enough now to <laughs> try something on my own. Yeah. So, you know, when I quit, they were incredibly supportive. Um, my family, as my friends, thought I was I was crazy uh, quitting a really great job that sent me to Hawaii um, for the Mercedes-Benz Championship <laughs> to go start a non-profit. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but I had jokes on them. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, it's it's now one of the most rewarding experiences oh, ever yeah. because I get to get up, I get to be my own boss, I get to create, I get to help feed people. You know, five million people have eaten. Yeah. And even if not another person gets helped tomorrow, 
Like, I still feel like I, I just did the greatest thing in the world. You know, we've got companies that have been around for 50 years that were never doing this. Yeah. Uh, I've got the one specific mover in Lawton, Oklahoma, that collects about 200 pounds of food every month. I don't have to call them. I don't have to check in on them. And if Move for Hunger shut its doors tomorrow, they would continue to help feed 200 people a month that's by doing nothing more than moving people. And um, you know, that's what I think about, how to, sustainability. You know, how am I going to create something that's going to last past me? Not necessarily the brand Move for Hunger. Right now, yeah, I want people to know all about it. It's exciting, but really what I want to do is I want to figure out a process that can be replicated, that can be scaled, that everyone can do to the point where you don't actually need a Move for Hunger anymore. If we build the network and we get enough people to know that this is what they're supposed to do, yeah. you don't need a charity. Charities exist to solve problems. They don't exist to be there forever. Yeah. So if we can solve the problem, I'll go find a new problem. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great attitude. Yeah, I like, I like that quote a lot. Um. So, I mean, that's a pretty cool environment that you grew up. I feel like having that entrepreneurial spirit really fosters your own creative process for sure. Yeah. Um, who, uh, who is one person you've never met that you would like to meet and why? Uh, Richard Branson. Ooh, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> take, a, take a trip to his island. Yeah, Necker. I think everyone wants to go visit Necker. <laughs> I, I grew up reading case studies about him in my marketing classes. I've read a few of his books. Um, beyond the fact that he's just, you know, the coolest dude on the planet, um, <laughs> you know, he's started so many businesses, the majority of which are successful, the majority of which he is incredibly involved with. And not only that, but he's doing them in a way that are socially responsible. Uh, he thinks about environmental impact and sustainability. He's taking a, a huge chunk of his money to try to make the world a better place and convene people. And, um, you know, to me, when you have, if you have that much and you have that many resources, your job should be to put, set them to purpose, to fix problems. And I don't care if he's making more money by fixing problems. To me, that's the only way you're going to fix problems. Um, business is okay. Making money is okay. Um, but you should be doing these things with a conscience. And uh, I just, I I really respect him for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. The more money he has, the more he can deploy it to solve more problems. So (laughs) seems to be a win-win. it's not even just the money, though. It's all the resources. Yeah, 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 the resources. He doesn't necessarily have to spend the dollars, but, you know, can you make planes that run on cleaner fuels to help the environment? Yeah, you you can, and he's doing it. Yeah, Virgin's my favorite airline. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty much the best. If, if the flight makes sense, you always fly it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you were talking about um, being in Hawaii and and getting to go to Augusta for working at Mercedes. What is your favorite travel destination? And if that has any significance for you, this could be personal travel or or business. Man. Um... I've really had, I'm so fortunate, I've had so many opportunities to travel, uh, whether it be personally or move for hunger. Um, I spent I spent five months studying abroad in Florence, Italy, and got to travel Europe a little bit, um, which was incredibly amazing just to live somewhere for an extended period of time and not just feel like a tourist or a visitor. Yep. Um, that, was, that was really amazing, but you know, even, even more recently, 
Um, I was just up in Calgary two weeks ago. We visited Banff, Ooh, which is yeah. one of the more beautiful places I've ever seen in my life. Um, and actually, I had the, the opportunity to go to Davos earlier this year with the World Economic Forum. And beyond the beauty that is the mountaintop that is Davos, that was one of the more ridiculous, incredible experiences of my life, just being surrounded by so many thought leaders and decision makers and influencers and hearing them talk about working together to solve the world's problems. That, that to me, has left probably the biggest mark on my life so far. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. My mom actually learned to ski in Banff, so I've uh, been around there before. But uh, who, was your, who was your favorite person you met at Davos? That is incredible. Oh, man. Um, I met some really cool people. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so um, it wasn't one person. It was more of a group. So I, I got invited to a session, which was the, uh, the CMOs of kind of the nation, the world's leading brands, really. So, like, Facebook, Twitter, Coke, Pepsi, Ikea, GE, like, you name it. These people were in the room. Um, Everything was off the record. This is still, I mean, it's it's nothing that that hasn't become public from from there, so I have no problem sharing it. (laughs) Um, But but it was, they were really talking about how can our companies operate more sustainably? Um, And how do we make commitments collaboratively to do these things so to hear like to hear coke and pepsi talking with each other about you know hey we we compete on a lot of things but this is something that we could do together potentially that was that was very inspiring that's cool um and you know everyone in that room was very adamant on you know they want to make something work here so um you know I, i don't get to be in all of those conversations so i'm not Exactly sure where it's went quite yet, but uh, I know that the conversation took place, and to me, you know, that's that's a step ahead of you know any other conversation here in government, anyway. Yeah. So getting to meet all those amazing people um, and just being in that environment, sure, conversations spawn into some really cool conversations and just awesome topics. When you're in that type of situation, what's your favorite question to ask somebody? Um, and in regards to that question, what maybe has been the coolest answer you've heard to that question? Um, I think one of the favorite questions I ask, um, is what keeps you up at night? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I got a lot of things. So many things. I don't really, I don't really love asking what you do. Yeah. You know, what do you do? Cause everyone's going to give their, their elevator speech. Exactly. Um, but the what keeps you up at night is is more of an interesting question, um, and you get you, you know you get a variety of answers. It, d- it depends what the individuals are doing. Um, I, I don't think I have a favorite one. I just I I, I enjoy hearing the diversity of, of and you know hearing another side of an individual that you wouldn't typically hear. So what keeps you up at night? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it's the ability to make sure that not only are we able to do what we say we're going to do uh, from you know a, a programmatic standpoint with Move for Hunger. Yep. But you know, I'm, I'm now responsible for eight staff people. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean I need to make sure that they get paid. I need to make sure that they're happy. I need to make sure that they have a good work-life balance and Mm -hmm. they're not burned out um 
you know, I, I, I need to create a culture where it's, it's okay to, to fail a little bit. Um, so it's, it's, you know, my, my team keeps me up at night, um, in, you know, a good way for them and a terrifying way for me. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where any business, it only fails if you let it fail. So fortunately I don't like to, to let things fail and I care deeply about my team just as much as I do about my organization. So, um, I want what's best for everybody, and uh, you know, I, I think, I think if you can if you can keep your eye on what's really important, it's not just the overall dollars, although they are incredibly important to doing what we're doing. Um, but how do you make people's lives better? Whether it's the people you're feeding or the people that report to you, um, you know, I, I think those are questions that every employer should be asking. Yeah, uh, definitely, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, Speaking of like burning out and uh, and keeping your employees happy, you can answer this kind of for yourself or in the context of your company culture. But how does fitness and health play a role in your life in the life of your company? Do you do anything to work out? Stay energetic? Do you guys do anything as a team um, in terms of like health initiatives or? Um, we have a race team. Um... But that's just kind of a, another programmatic piece that Mover Hunger has. Uh, I'm probably in the worst shape in terms of <laughs> trying to get better at that. Um, but, um, you know, I think uh, it's, it's one of those things that everyone, everyone could get better. I try to give everyone really good flexible time so that they can really go and do the things that they want to do. You know, we don't have an official vacation policy. If you need time off, take time off. Um, just make sure that your your work gets done. Um, we encourage people to, you know, some of our, some of our staff are runners, which is great. I wish I was a runner, but that's exhausting. Um, I, I try to take personal time when I can. So if I do get to travel somewhere, maybe I'll take a couple of extra days. Um, and that's been really helpful for me to just be able to to just reflect a little bit and not just be thinking about work. Yeah. I think that's an important piece. That's awesome. Um, all right. little different question. <laughs> You're going to have to think outside the box. Um, pick an animal to describe yourself and why. Uh, an animal to describe myself. Um, Could be your favorite animal or one that has qualities that are reflective of your personality. Um, I like to say, I like to say, I'm an adorable puppy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, That's fan great. favorite. Everyone loves you. <laughs> Every I, I, I want to be loved. I'm very loyal. <laughs> I I sometimes make a mess of things. Uh, I like I like to bounce around quite a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, and I love treats. So. <laughs> treats are good. Healthy that's treats. That's the exact metaphorical answer you're looking for. <laughs> no, that's great. That was that's, perfect. That's all I got on that yeah. one. Yeah. So you took um, kind of your, your dad's business of the moving company and added this social cause to it. Um, I know there's a lot of companies, and, and like you said, when you were at your, that conference that were talking about sustainability or, or social aspects to their business. Um, if someone wanted to take their company and add a, either um, an arm to it that had a social cause or 
um, com- completely just um, make a business um, that that had that social front to it. Um, how would you recommend going about that? You really have to look at what resources you have available. Um, you know, for the moving industry, you've got trucks, you've got boxes, you have uh, labor. You're going into people's homes at a time when they're throwing away their belongings. Um, we could have focused on clothing. We could have focused on furniture. Uh, we happened to focus on food mm-hmm. uh, because I felt that it was a resource that was easy to transport. It didn't take a lot of labor. It didn't take a lot of space. And it, it fed a, a basic human need that everybody needs, which is food. Um, I think there's a lot of businesses that have a number of resources. It's a matter of how are you utilizing them most effectively, most efficiently, and doing it in a way that will help improve your bottom line. Um, yeah. It's nice to just do things because it's a nice thing to do. It's an even nicer thing to do things that are going to drive your business so you can help do more nice things. So. Um, doing good is good for business. I don't feel guilty saying that, you know, my movers are getting more business because they're helping their communities. For sure. I'm very proud of that. Um, and I think more companies should think that way. I agree. I think corporate responsibility is such an important aspect to your business. I, I totally agree with, with, uh, doing good is good for business. Absolutely. Uh, if you could learn to do anything, what would it be and why? Uh, speak Spanish, probably. <laughs> uh, there's been a number of times that I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> traveling or whether I'm in a group of new, exciting, interesting people. I can half-ass speak Italian, but that's not cutting it. Um, so I think, I think speaking another language really well would be greatly beneficial, especially one that more and more people in this country know, and I still am way left in the dark. Yeah, I think... As you mentioned, you studied abroad in, in Italy. Both Jason and I studied abroad. I studied abroad in Spain, so have a little bit of Spanish in me. Not enough to teach you, but um, <laughs> I think I think learning a language is extremely important. And I think it's really cool to to dissect what successful people do and some things that they still want to learn. And I think having that drive to continue to learn is extremely important. Um, and, and with that being said, um, is there somebody... Uh, in your network that you look up to um, that you think would be a great asset for us to put on this show so that we can not only display the good things that they're doing, but teach our listeners um, about them, about what they're learning about and about how they're making an impact. Yeah, actually the a great person that's helped me out quite a bit uh, over the years. His name is George Weiner. Um, he now runs an, or, uh, a company called Whole Whale. Uh, which basically is technology for nonprofits. Um, he used to be the CTO of DoSomething.org, which is another incredible organization. Wow. Um, and, you know, the way he thinks about things analytically, the way he thinks about data and impact, and the fact that his company only exists to serve nonprofits. Um, yeah. He, and he makes money at it. I'm, I'm a proud client. I, I you know, Mufranger paid him dollars, and he helped us do a ton of things, um, both on the web and through our through our uh, other technolo- technologies. Um, he'd be a great person for you to connect to, and yeah. uh, we brainstorm and kick around a lot of ideas constantly. Yeah, that's awesome. That'd be great. Um, 
are there any any other projects that you guys are working on right now that you want to highlight or um, any overall, uh, I guess, the overall vision of where you're trying to take your business um, that that we could learn from? In terms of just exciting things, uh, look at look out on the roads because hopefully you're going to start seeing Move for Hunger a lot more pretty soon. I mean, already our movers have a, a, a decal that they put on the back of their truck. Um, but today we have 10 fully wrapped uh, vehicles on the road, um, two in New Jersey, one in Tallahassee, Florida. We've got some in Chicago, Beverly Hills. Uh, we actually just wrapped two in Anchorage, Alaska, which we haven't announced yet, which I'm really excited. But That's awesome. They're basically driving billboards that are getting the mission out there, getting people to think that they should be donating their food when they move. Um, and, you know, one of our we've, – we've kind of built – the, a solid foundation of a network that we want here. Um, now it's really about making people like you and your listeners aware that this exists. If we can get everyone to think that they should donate their food when they move, that'll just become business as usual. That's that's what we're trying to create here, just the norm. Um, and again, if we do that, then we're not needed and we've solved a problem. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you, can you uh, tell people where they can find out more about you, uh, your company, and, and projects? Yeah, uh, moveforhunger.org, M-O-V-E-F-O-R, hunger.org is the website. Um, sign up for our mailing list on there, get involved, make a donation if you love what we're doing and you want to support the cause or buy a T-shirt. Check us out on social media, uh, at Move for Hunger. Um, there's lots of things going on up there, and we, we announce you know upcoming events, um, other opportunities and ways to share and help raise awareness about the cause as well. So, um we're looking for supporters and volunteers and donors and advocates and people that just really care and give a shit about helping people. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you, you, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm from Jersey. And, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if, 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 people, if people truly care, like come, come visit, learn about what we're doing because there are 50 million Americans in this country that struggle with hunger, 17 million of which are children. And we are only just getting started, so we need more support to be able to continue to grow and continue to make this the thing that everybody does when they move. That's fantastic. Um, I think we're going to do our best to try, try to raise awareness of what you're doing, um, what your company stands for, um, and how you guys are, are honestly changing the world. It's, it's been truly a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Um, thanks so much for your insights, not only about your personal growth, how you've grown a company um, how you've helped 5 million people um, is pretty, pretty cool. Um, so we would just like to extend our gratitude for, for you taking your time to, to uh, impact Jason and I as well as all of our listeners in such a positive way. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's, uh, it's great to be able to share stories, and um, I'm uh, excited to hear some of your other guests in the future. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> thanks again. Thank you.